I want you to grab this deal while it's available over at the Great Courses Plus. Their entire library of courses are free for one month when you sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. If you thought 2020 was a learning experience that you had no choice about, make 2021 a learning experience with purpose. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I'm going to get one thing out of the way. Well, two things I'm going to get out of the way. Thank you for joining me. I know I already said it, but that's the scripted intro. <laughs> now I'm giving you the off-the-cuff intro. Thank you so much for being here. It is great to be with you. I'm so glad that you are here and listening to this show. And if you are a first-time listener, welcome. I've got about seven years in the backlog as of this recording. So if you like this show, there's plenty more to tune into. So that's one thing I want to say. The other thing I want to talk about real quick is this quick little one-liner email that somebody sent me. This person wrote, I'm getting a lot from your podcast. I'm currently listening to the December 27th, 2020 episode where you talk about your back surgery. Would you consider doing a podcast regarding preparing for a big surgery and recovery, etc. I'm preparing myself for a spinal fusion and would be so grateful for any advice that you may have. Thank you so much for writing that. I don't know if I'm going to create an entire episode on that, but I read your email because I wanted to address this really quickly. So this isn't the episode that you're looking for. I don't know when your surgery is, but I want you to know that I went through I think it was the same thing. I think I had a, a couple vertebrae fused together and, you know, I, I should know this stuff. I should know what I got, but it's been well, almost 10 years now and I still should know this, but I don't remember what it was. I just know that I had some discs starting to pop out. They were being pushed out and my sciatic nerve was driving me crazy and I dealt with it for 15 years. So I finally ended up going to a doctor and getting an assessment and they recommended surgery pretty quickly because it was getting severe. And uh, let me tell you my thoughts about going into something that uh, might be a little scary. First of all, this surgery that you're going to get is designed to help you. It's designed to fix something. It's designed to make you feel better. So there's a lot of positives about it. In fact, I would look at nothing but the positives. When I'm going to do any type of medical procedure, or I was talking about dental procedures a few months ago, when I'm doing any of that kind of stuff, I have to focus on what I'm going to get out of it. That's my focus. What am I going to get out of it? Even when I had my tooth pulled, it was not pleasant to think about getting the tooth pulled, but having it gone was my primary focus. So there's a personal growth 101 statement. You know, this is pretty basic focus on the positive and try not to think of the negative but the negative seeps in but what is the negative what's the fear the fear doesn't come for me because every time I think about going to the hospital or the dentist all I can think about is that they're going to numb me up and I'm not going to feel it and I'm not going to remember it I'm like in the hospital I won't remember it because I'll be out so the fear for me goes away because I think about them numbing me out. They, they do this. I love modern medical technology. They will do this to you and for you. So going into surgery is pretty much they wheel you in and do their thing and the anesthesiologist comes in and does their thing and then you wake up in a hospital bed. <laughs> pretty much what happened to my surgery. So 
to the person who wrote and said, you know, do you have any thoughts or opinions on preparing for a big surgery? Yes, focus on the positive. But when the negative starts creeping in, ask yourself, what am I worried about? I think the prep part, prepping for it, the mental part of it is trying to figure out what you're really worried about. What are you worried about? Well, what if it doesn't go well? What if it hurts? What if I wake up in the middle of it? I mean, I could probably fill your head. I don't want to fill your head with all this negative stuff, but that's what happens. We, we have all these thoughts that come in and start taking over the positive thoughts, our focus. Where I like to go is, okay, what would happen if that happened? Like, what would happen if I woke up in the middle of surgery? Well, uh, I'll probably open my eyes and they'll probably see it and then they'll probably put me back out. Okay, well, that's exactly what would happen. They don't want you awake. And if you were awake, they've already numbed you for the pain. So, you know, I could go over a million scenarios what might happen. Again, I don't want to fill your head with negative stuff. But it is nice to address the negative stuff that you're thinking about, all the negative thoughts that might come up, all your fears that might come up. And then lay out what might happen and then what might happen after that. So when you prepare for anything that you might be afraid of, I like to address the negatives that come up in me. For example, you might be afraid of going into a job interview. Okay, let's address all the fears that come up when it comes to going into a job interview. What if they don't like me? Okay, why is that a fear? Let's address each and every one. Let's stop at the first one. What if they don't like me? If you have that fear, what if they don't like me? Then what about that is a problem? This is one of my favorite questions. What about that is a problem? Or how is that a problem? Or why do I think that's a problem in my life? The knee-jerk reaction to that is, it's a problem because I want to be liked, so I'll get a job. Okay, so that might be the answer for you but let's just make sure that's the only reason what if they don't like you what if it has nothing to do with the job what if you come in and they look at you and they go oh uh you have red hair we we can't have people with red hair we don't like people with red hair i'm making this up (laughs) but you get what i mean you might have this thought about yourself like what if they see me what if they don't like the way i look what if they don't like what i'm wearing what if they don't Let's just take the job out of it. What if they don't like you as a person? How does that affect you and how is that a problem? This is one of the negative elements that can come up in anything that you're going to do. So you are ready to have a job interview and you have all these thoughts and these doubts and maybe some stuff comes up that you didn't realize was there and you're nervous. But when there's nervousness or fears... I like to bring those to the forefront and address them. Okay, what if they think I'm stupid? What if they read my resume and they say, what, you only have two years of college or you only have a high school diploma or you only have a GED or you only did, I mean, all kinds of things that they could come up with that you might be worried about. So if that came up for you, you ask yourself, well, how is that a problem? Let's just say that they look at it and they won't say this, but you think that they're thinking that you're not educated enough. They must think I'm stupid. There's something that might pop up in your mind. Okay, let's address that. They think I'm stupid. Okay, let's just say they do. Let's just say that's true. They think you're stupid. How is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because I won't get the job. Really? Is that the only reason? If somebody came up to you and said that they believe you're stupid, that would be your only fear is that they have something to offer you and they don't, they don't offer it to you? Or is it deeper? It's almost always deeper. It is nice to know that we could go into a job interview, for example, and believe that we won't be judged and we will just be selected if we are qualified. But we know that there are different reasons that people hire and don't hire. So we have all these thoughts that we bring into something like that. And we also bring in our insecurities. We also bring in how we feel about ourselves. We also bring in how much we believe in ourselves. We bring in how much we respect ourselves and how worthy we feel. So all of these components of ourselves that we bring into a situation, they start to rise. They start to appear. And this is for anything. A job interview, a surgery, a first date, 
anything that you're insecure about that you feel like you're lacking in some area will come up including the fear of physical pain how about that I have a fear of physical pain who doesn't <laughs> I mean unless you're a masochist but some people don't have a fear of physical pain and not just masochists I know there are people that don't have these fears but I have a fear of physical pain because I'm a sensitive guy and <laughs> that sounds weird when I say that but I mean physically sensitive I have a, a low tolerance for pain so I'm sensitive in that area so when I think about getting a shot I might have these fears that come up but what am I focused on I'm focused on uh, what I'm getting from it at the end and also that I've survived I made it before there was some discomfort there was some pain in fact I just talked about this a few episodes ago when I went to the dentist uh, there was a moment where the dentist did something they were pulling uh, the temporary cap off and it hit a nerve or something and the cap wasn't fully off and they hadn't given me the Novocaine and so when it came partially off it was like dead on the nerve and I just suddenly just tightened up and just went ah I didn't scream loud but they could tell I was in pain and they said sorry 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 and they immediately numbed it up and it took longer than I wanted but it was over and it was done and I made it through and I think that's important to think about if you're going to focus on anything know that you'll make it through Paul how can you be sure how do you know I'll make it through why would you want to think of any other thought <laughs> why would you want to think that you wouldn't make it through why would you even entertain that okay let's just say that you keep thinking that you might not make it through let's go back to the person with the surgery let's just say that you're worried that you might not make it through if you don't make it through you're not gonna know about it <laughs> you're not gonna have a thought of oh I didn't make it through that because you know why you won't be here this might be hard to hear and I'm not trying to take your mind in that direction but I think when we think about oh gee I might die is kind of a pointless thought because if you did then you wouldn't remember it it wouldn't matter anymore not that I'm treating this as something minimal but if it's the fear of death then that's an easy one <laughs> and even though it doesn't sound easy it's it's an easy one to say well if I die I won't remember so okay you might have fears of not dying but the pain you might have the fears of the pain and and this is where I go as far as wanting to focus on what works for me what serves me what is positive and the most likely outcome anyway if you want to avoid anxiety if you want to avoid stress you just realize it's gonna work out it's gonna be fine so this is almost motivational advice I'm giving you some motivational advice but I want to put in the practical too so the practical is when you bring up the fears to be addressed and ask yourself how is that a problem and then answer that question I'm worried because I'm preparing for something that could be dangerous okay how is it being dangerous a problem well I mean it's dangerous because there could be complications okay let's just say that you had a complication how is that a problem well I could end up paralyzed that's a scary thought too and I know I'm putting thoughts in your head that may not have been there before <laughs> but I'm telling you this because I like to get the worst thoughts out of the way first how many people really end up paralyzed when they go in for back surgery I mean I think the statistics are so low that it's pointless to think about again this is how we can drive ourselves crazy and go into anxiety is that we think about all the bad stuff that could happen even though the chances of it happening are very very low yeah but there's a chance let's bring up that thought there's a chance okay so there's a chance there's also a chance that you can have wild success and be happy and feel great well I'm not worried about that exactly <laughs> you're not worried about succeeding you're only worried about failing you're not worried about feeling good you're only worried about feeling pain and when we go through life worried about feeling pain or fearing something that we're just making up in our head because that's what we're doing we're making up something we believe 
could happen, then we build up the anxiety and the pressure and the stress and that we take with us. And I know it is very difficult to not think these things and feel these things. So let me give you one more practical tip when you're preparing for anything, and that is to take yourself through the worst case scenario to the deepest level. If you've been listening a while, you've heard me say this before, you take the worst case scenario to the deepest level to the worst case. What's the worst case? You end up paralyzed, you're in a wheelchair, someone has to take care of you for the rest of your life, you can't feed yourself. Why am I telling you this? This sounds awful because I'm trying to get it out of the way. I'm trying to bring it up because what we do is typically we resist. We resist what could happen or what we think might happen. We put all this energy into resisting what we don't want to happen and we try not to think about it happening so that we build energy continuing to try not to think about what happened and trying to prevent ourselves from thinking about this stuff. But it's just like what I learned in hypnosis. If I tell you to try not to think of a pink tree, you will think of a pink tree. (laughs) You will think of what I tell you not to think about. So what ends up happening is there are people out there, I'm included, where we say to ourselves, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to introduce that. I don't want to put that into my psyche. I don't want to put that into my model of reality. I don't want to have that in my field of view or my field of thought. I don't want it in there. So I'm going to do whatever I can to not think about that. When we do that, we typically make it stronger. What we resist typically persists and gets stronger. It amplifies. That's why I like to think about the worst case scenario. Now, not everyone can do this easily, but you can do it. Those who can't do it easily are already thinking about all the bad images, all their fears, but what they're doing is they're covering those. They're hiding those inside their mind. And when they hide those and they put blockades up so they don't think about those things and they try not to think about those things, what ends up happening is they fester under the surface. And if they're under the surface festering, then they come out in different ways. They give us stomach aches. They make us anxious. I don't like those feelings. You probably don't like those feelings. I prefer to bring them up to be addressed, to be processed, and to be released. And let me give you the final uh, tip here on doing this, which is when it comes up for processing, when you have a fear and you decide not to stuff it down, you decide to bring it to the forefront and you say, in this person's case, they're going to surgery. How do I prepare for this? Write down all your fears. This is my final tip on this. Write down all your fears. I'm afraid that the needle will hurt. I'm afraid that when I wake up, I'll be in pain. I'm afraid that Uh, They're going to mess up. They're going to drop their watch in my back and then I'll be, uh, (laughs) you know, whatever. Just write down all this stuff and make sure you get it all. If you have a hundred items in there, write them all down. Okay, I've written them all down. One, writing them down gives your inner fears a voice. And that voice has been given an expression. It has been given a way out of your system. Because we're going to make up all kinds of stuff that we're afraid of. I'm afraid of this. I don't want this to happen. I'm really scared about this. I'm going to write all this stuff down. Okay, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of this. Giving your inner thoughts and emotions and fears a voice inside your head and then expressing them on paper with your hands using a pencil or using a keyboard for your computer or your phone or whatever getting it out of your system and in front of you so you can see it gives you something a little bit more substantial. It's not just something you keep in your mind and continue to morph into something scarier and something worse. Bring it out. Because as you do this, what you're going to notice is that some fears are worse than others and some fears you're going to think, well, now that I've written it down, it's not so bad, especially when I compare it to this one. So this one isn't so bad. I'm okay with that. I mean, if that happens, no problem. That's going to be temporary and I don't, it's no big deal. That's okay. And you'll start to do this. You'll start to see 
all these other items on your list and you'll realize that some of this stuff really isn't anything to worry about at all. And maybe what will happen is that you won't be worried about it at all and um, only the big ones will stand out. And this is where you might want to, I don't know, put an asterisk next to the big ones. And now you have the asterisks next to the ones that you fear most, for example. Okay, what I fear most. I fear, I'm just going to use what I said earlier, I fear being paralyzed after surgery. Okay, how is that a problem? What? That's what usually happens. What? How is that a problem? Nobody wants to be paralyzed. Yeah, but how is it a problem for you? Let's just say that you lost the ability to move your legs. Well, I, I don't want that. I, I love to walk. I love to dance. Right. What would happen if you lost that ability? I wouldn't be able to walk. I wouldn't be able to dance. How is that a problem? This is what I call drill down. You drill into the problem and you keep asking yourself how that next thing is a problem or how that next thing is bad until you get to some low-level fear that maybe you didn't know was in there. This is the stuff that's really down at the deeper level that's driving a lot of our fears and driving a lot of our decision-making is that we have these worries that can create anxiety and stress inside of us and we have never addressed these underlying worries because maybe we don't associate or attribute those worries to what's going on in our life today. I'm not saying losing your ability to walk is something that you can immediately get used to or not have a worry about. I'm saying that let's drill into why we fear certain things. I mean, I know we all have a perception of what it might be like to lose an ability or feel pain, but it's important to understand that these fears come from somewhere. They aren't just fabricated in the moment. They come from somewhere. They have an origin. And that origin either gives us an optimistic view of the world or a pessimistic view of the world or something in between. But the origin of where our fears, our pain, and anything else that we go through is what determines how we believe things are going to work out. And if we look forward to those things or if we fear them and don't want anything to do with them. And I'm not saying that you won't be afraid if you figure out the origin. I'm just saying that sometimes we amplify what we fear because we have an origin of fear that makes it worse than it might be. My whole point in this is after you write all these things down and you ask yourself questions like, why am I afraid of this? What is the problem here? How is this a problem? and you start drilling into this stuff, you start learning about these origins and you get to uh, learn something about yourself. Because I can almost guarantee you, and this happens to me all the time, I can almost guarantee you that when you drill into a challenge you're having, you're going to discover an origin that you probably didn't know about. And what I mean by that is, I use the fear of spiders, for example. A lot of people have a fear of spiders what I've learned about my own fear is that I used to fear that they wanted to bite me. Not only are they creepy and crawly and you don't want them near you, yes, I understand a lot of people don't, but I amplified that fear because I really believed they wanted to bite me as if they saw me as a predator. And it took an experience of having a big nasty spider on me once to realize that He wanted to get the heck away from me as much as I wanted him to get away from me. (laughs) He was running away from me because he was scared of me. That one moment in time where I had to experience that gave me a new perspective. It told me that spiders just want to be left alone. (laughs) Just leave me alone. I want to sit in my web. I want to catch flies. And I just want to enjoy life in my little um, hammock over here. And uh, when I'm on you, it is an unpleasant experience, and I don't want to be on you. I'm not coming after you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Just leave me alone. So when they end up on you, they don't really want to be there. So this is my perspective, uh, and it helped me decrease my fears exponentially, actually, because it made me realize that they wanted nothing to do with me, and all they wanted was to be left alone. So my fear of spiders was based on an origin that I had exaggerated. And we do this to ourselves. We exaggerate 
our fears because of something that happened in our past and it doesn't always mean that we had experienced that same thing in the past like if I were to drill into my fear of spiders I would ask why am I afraid of this spider what is so bad about this spider and I might say okay they're creepy looking they have hairy legs and I'll just stop there just in case you have any fears about spiders but I would ask myself that question then I would ask deeper questions like okay what about the way they look is scary what about getting bit is scary most spiders that bite the bite is itchy and it goes away yeah there are some more um, venomous ones but there's no reason to be afraid because I've gotten bitten by more mosquitoes and bees and other bugs that were much worse so I'm not gonna get into that but the, the whole point is I'm really drilling into the reasons I'm afraid of something and I think that is very helpful whenever you're preparing for something thinking about something and trying to get through a moment that might normally cause you anxiety because what you'll find out is that not everything is as it seems not everything is as scary as it seems not everything is as frightening as it seems I mean some things are some things are really frightening but are we blowing things out of proportion for no good reason this is actually a subject I'd like to get into maybe another time because I could go in a million different directions with it and I really want to kind of come back to this email and just address one more thing which is how can I prepare for this surgery and how do I prepare for recovery let me just share with you my 32nd story of my back surgery um, I had sciatic nerve for years and years and years and I just knew that getting a back surgery was going to fix that it was scary because I had never done it before but at the same time when I went in there and they gave me my shots and my pills or whatever they did I was immediately out and then I woke up in the hospital bed and they gave me a morphine button and anytime that I felt the pain come on I just hit the button and so honestly I never had pain my surgery never had an ounce of pain and um, the only issue I had was some constipation which I highly recommend you talk to them about <laughs> because if you go into surgery you might take some pills you might have some injections and that might cause some constipation so you want to talk to them about that but everything else was a breeze and I also got served ice cream <laughs> and anything else I wanted while I was in the hospital bed so I think the surgery that you're gonna get the experts know exactly what they're doing and you're gonna be fine so my only advice whenever you're gonna go into something like this is be so grateful for modern medical technology and the fact that it has come so far most surgeries are painless now and you can recover pretty quick and make sure you do your PT <laughs> make sure you do your PT it's tough because you'll feel weak but again I'm sure you're having this surgery to fix something and when it's fixed your body's gonna thank you so you're doing this for yourself you're doing this for your body there's a lot of positives and my best advice is I've gone through it I was fine and you'll be fine too so again this was probably more motivational than anything but I wanted to give that to you because at least I've had some experience with that keep your strength keep your confidence that everything is gonna go well because there's no point in wasting any time thinking about it any differently. We'll be right back after this. very excited to share with you something that I just started using it's called the great courses plus you heard me mention it at the very beginning of the show and the reason I'm excited is because I've used online training I've seen online videos we all have access to YouTube and things like that so we're used to seeing training courses and tutorials and other educational material all the time but I didn't realize what I was missing I was really surprised when I started going through the library at the Great Courses Plus because the first thing I did was just click on something that I know I'd never watch. 
<laughs> I think my girlfriend would watch it, but I would never watch. But I wanted to see the quality. I wanted to see how the courses were set up. I wanted to see what it was like before you know, I invested any time into it. And so I clicked on how to bake bread. It's actually the complete guide to baking bread. And I thought, okay, you know, people are at home. They're baking more bread because flour is in short supply. And uh, I started watching it, and I was immediately enthralled. I was immediately engaged in the, the teacher who has many, many years of experience, the quality, the fact that it was in a commercial kitchen and not someone's home, something that you just can't get on a lot of other sites, and how well done and well produced these videos are. And not only that, highly educational. And that is the key. You know, we've had a 2020 full of unique challenges that changed our, our way of life. But with each challenge, we've learned something. We've learned to survive. We've learned to thrive. And now, you know, 2021's here. Let's strive to be better. Let's strive to learn something that isn't uh, 2020. <laughs> Let's learn something else. And The Great Courses Plus is something I am actually proud to talk about today. I want you to go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and you will get an entire month for free. Their full library is available to you. All you have to do is go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and check out their library. You can get a whole course done, anything from woodworking, which is something I'm doing right now, to, let me see, I'm going through the library now. You can learn about history. And here's a course, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Daily Life. Or maybe you want to learn the guitar, or maybe you want to check out the one I'm going to check out next, which is the Psychology of Performance. There's so much to choose from. It's a no-risk offer. I highly recommend you go there and check it out. It's four words, The Great Courses Plus dot com forward slash brain make sure you put the forward slash brain so you can get an entire month of unlimited access for free you don't want to pass this up the great courses plus dot com forward slash brain i don't know how long they're going to offer this so i'm just putting that out there if you're looking for some purpose this year if you want to learn new things this year sign up for the great courses plus you're going to love it Welcome back. I actually did receive an email that I want to read some portion of uh, because it's an important topic. It is not necessarily associated with the first segment, but um, this was supposed to be the primary segment, <laughs> what I'm about to talk about, but I don't think it is. Uh, I'm just going to throw this in here too because I think it's important. This person wrote and says uh, they've been listening to my both of my podcasts, Love and Abuse and The Overwhelmed Brain, and agree with many of the things I say. Uh, however, he says, my girlfriend told me that I was abusive, and I'm shocked. And the more I listen, the more down I feel. I see the positivity that you're trying to give people, but as the bad guy in this situation, being raised lovingly in a very understanding family, I cannot agree with everything you say. But maybe my situation is different. I've learned about a lot of my issues, and I work with them, and I try to figure them out, and I stand behind what I'm doing. But I also agree that I wasn't always a supportive and accepting person. I have ADHD, and some things come so quickly that they need dealing with by me as well as my girlfriend. My mistake was that for too long I believed I had no influence and I would just justify it when I ended up acting out. I did not do it on purpose. I did not try to manipulate her for my own good. I just didn't understand what the hell was happening with my life and basically have had and have tantrums. My friends and family do see exactly the person I am when I am with her. Our problem was that we never brought my issues to light and I never believed that I actually have an influence on my actions and when I do mess up, I can deal with them in a more compassionate way. But maybe this is what you're saying all the time. It's hard for a person with ADHD to see anything else than their thoughts of doom in a bad situation. They need to calm down and then they need to deal with it appropriately. This is where I've failed far too often and I see it now thanks to you. I'm unsure in what I'm trying to say now. I suppose that I want to say that not every abusive person is the same. My dad is much worse than I am, but my mom is extremely understanding and sees his value, his fears, and his difficulties in life. She accepts them while still standing up for herself, and he knows what he does too. She just gives him the space to figure this out. I have a difficult time understanding other people because of ADHD, and I often feel extremely misunderstood. 
it frustrates me and sometimes I'm not able to cope with it. Thank you for any insights that you can offer. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I'm going to be honest, I do not have that much experience with ADHD or clients with ADHD. I might be living with a girlfriend who has ADHD. <laughs> I mean, I might have some experience there, but maybe it's not to the extent that you're referring to because you said your girlfriend called you abusive. So I have a question for you that you cannot answer me right now because you're listening and this is not interactive. But if I were in front of you, I would ask you, do you either have a tantrum, like you said in your email, or are you abusive only when you are alone with her? That's my question. If the answer is, well, no, when I'm out and about with other people, I try not to be hurtful or harmful, and I you know, do my best. I'm, I'm on my best behavior. If that's your answer, if your answer is, no, I'm on my best behavior while we're out in public, while we're in front of other people, then I'm going to say that you probably have more choice than you are leading me to believe. And I don't mean to say I don't believe you. I'm just saying that if you can control your behavior while you're out, then what stops you from being able to control your behavior while you're home? I don't know what your answer was. Maybe you'll say, no, I can control it, but then I get really angry later and I have to let it all out. I have to let out the steam. That could be true. Or maybe you said something else. I don't know. But I'm just putting this out there for you or anyone that can hear this. If you can consciously control your behavior while you're out and about, then why can't you consciously control your behavior while you're alone with the person that is being hurt or feels abused or neglected or insulted or offended. Why can't you do that? Now, I know what happens when we're alone. We're a little bit more free to be ourselves. We don't have our guard up. We don't have all the thoughts that are going through our head because nobody's watching us. I understand the safeguards are gone and we want to be able to be ourselves when we're home. We don't want to have the restrictions that we feel when we're out with other people and we have to put on our best face and make sure that we have good manners and we're treating everybody with respect. And I understand that. But I also want to bring that to light that if you have a choice to do it in public or around other people, then you do have a choice to do it at home. Now, with that said, sometimes that's hard. Like I just said, our safeguards are down, we're more authentic, we're more relaxed at home, and because of that, we are more likely to act out or react when we are triggered in some way. So here's my next observation for you. You said your mom is dealing with your dad who's also hurtful or abusive, and she has found a way to work with it and work through it and wait for him and understand him, and she just gets him. From what I've gathered in your email, she just allows him to be who he is. That is very noble. That is somebody who obviously sees more in him than just his outbursts. And she probably is a very understanding, patient, and compassionate woman. And I hope she's happy. I hope they really do have a good relationship and that his outbursts are just temporary and they aren't long-term and they don't linger bringing them into other conversations. I hope that they have a great relationship because if that's true, then A, you have a good resource knowing it's possible and B, it does bring up a point in your own relationship, whether it's the one you're in now or anyone that you're going to be in in the future, that if you know the way you behave to be completely upfront, completely honest with the person that's in your life to tell them that you behave this way and it's a temporary thing and it's a passing thing and it's not personal. That I think is important. Now, I understand you can say that and it could still be hurtful to the person because you might say things that are very hurtful, very damaging because that person may not be as mentally prepared for it or emotionally strong enough to handle perhaps an insult or maybe they're frightened by your behavior because they've never seen you act that way before. But again, this is why your complete and utter honesty and authenticity about the way you behave and what you need to do to get through a moment has to be at the forefront. 
hey, you know, I, I lose my temper. It's nothing personal. I just know that it's scary sometimes, but I've never hurt anyone. I've never broken anything. I just want to let you know that I have ADHD and this is what happens. And if you'd like to learn more, please ask me some questions. Uh, I will help you understand what I go through. Now, when you do this, what you're doing is helping the other person not only understand who you are, but you open the floor to them to really dig in and help them understand why you act that way. And you may not have the answers, but you can at least prepare them, talking about preparing for things, you can at least prepare them for what's to come in a relationship with you. And when they are prepared, when it happens, after the first time it happens, you can say, that was one of those moments. It had nothing to do with you. I promise, you know, there are times when I'll get into a situation, I'll get in my own head, and I'll suddenly just lose my temper, and it's nothing to do with you. And I am sorry that I come across that way, and I hope it didn't scare you off. But it might have. It might have scared that person off. It might cause a big rift in the relationship. So I'm not saying that this works. I'm not saying that you can tell someone, hey, I'm going to be mad, just deal with it, and everything will be okay. But I am saying that sometimes you have someone like your mom come along that understands. I mean, how about you meet someone else with ADHD? They might say the same thing. Oh, you go through that? Oh, so do I. I mean, you could meet someone in an ADHD uh, group. There are ADHD groups that I know of online. There are ADHD podcasts that maybe would help you if you listen to those so you can hear other stories that have the same condition and what they're doing. I mean, there are probably all kinds of practical tips that I can give you, including meditation, including putting your phone away because that's a heck of a distraction, including just sitting in nature, even though a lot of this stuff may drive you crazy if you are constantly distracted, but maybe not. And it's going to probably take a lot of conscious effort. And I also admit that I might not know enough to be able to guide you here. I might not know enough about ADHD to guide you, but I do know enough about behavior to know that sometimes when we know we have a certain behavior that we either can't help or haven't learned how to control yet, that we need to let others know that's what we do. Even if it drives them away, meaning you tell someone how you react and how you respond to things and they say, well, I don't think I can handle that. If they're driven away by that, it's a good thing. Because you don't want to surprise someone with that behavior that can't handle it. And then suddenly they have a bad taste in their mouth and they don't want to be around you anymore. At least you prepare them by telling them your responses or reactions or what happens to you. So that's like part of this. The other part of this is what can you do, of course, to help you with your ADHD? Because that sounds like a personal thing that you really need to work on and you probably are working on. So... I commend you for doing this and addressing it and trying to figure out what you can do. There are a lot of resources for this online. But I believe if you're in a relationship and you have this type of reactionary behavior, then it's important that you're continually working on it. That way, someone that you're in a relationship with can look over and say, you know, you just had a bad temper tantrum. I didn't like it, but at least you're working on it. And I love you enough to want to stay in this relationship as long as you continue to work on it. And I think it's very important. As long as you're continuing to work on it, you're showing a conscious effort to always do something, to always try new things, to, I don't know, get medicated if that's necessary, whatever it takes, to show that you care about their well-being, along with your own, of course, but you care enough about their well-being that you're willing to do whatever it takes to work on behavior that they might find scary or offensive. So there's that part of it. And the last part of it is what you're talking about is very much uh, something I mentioned uh, in another episode where is it possible to live with someone who does behavior that you can't accept? The answer is yes, it is possible. The question is, can you do so in a way that both people can agree upon? And I gave the story of a friend of ours that has a partner that is an alcoholic, and that person has no plans on quitting drinking. They get drunk once in a while, but our friend doesn't like to be around this person when they're drunk. 
they still live in separate houses so that when he wants to get drunk, that person goes to their home and our friend, she stays home. So they live in separate places so that they can do their own thing. And when they meet, they're a great couple and they're happy and they get along because they're never around each other when the unacceptable behavior is present. That's a little different for you because you might have reactions and responses to everyday things. But I still see it the same way in a way where maybe you need a private area to be this way or a safe room or maybe you can give your girlfriend a safe word or a safe phrase that she can say so that you can go into your safe area or she can go into her safe area until you've cooled down like you said and once you've cooled down you can come back out and then you can have a conversation about it that might be something you can do I don't know if your living arrangement is very close maybe you're living in an RV and that would make it more difficult but maybe you can go outside I don't know your situation but I do know that when you have two people and one of them has a behavior that is offensive or hurtful or insulting to the other person, that we have to find out, A, if that behavior is a choice from what you tell me it isn't, but that's why I brought up the question, do you act this way out in public and with other people? Because if you don't, then there is a choice involved and you may have to make it at home, which means a lot of self-control And yes, you might not be as comfortable and relaxed as you want to be and free to be yourself because you still have issues that you're working on. So that might be part of your journey and part of her journey as far as if you really feel some upset coming, you may need to remind yourself that you do have a choice. But if you don't have a choice, if you know you don't have a choice, if you can just lose it anywhere, anytime, then my opinion is you need to set yourself up with a safe place. You need to say, I'm going to lose it. I need to get away so I can just give myself a few minutes and then come back. You might not be able to do that if it just pops out of you. I don't know. But I do believe it might be necessary if you're going to have any semblance of a peaceful, balanced relationship, or at least as as peaceful and balanced as you can get, so that you don't inadvertently destroy something that might be great otherwise. But it does take a lot of agreement on both sides on what the best course of action and that's my final suggestion is to ask this other person what the best course of action what does she need from you knowing you have this condition now she may say I don't want you to lose your temper I don't want you to get angry and you'll have to be honest and say I do get angry and I will lose my temper so I need to know what you want me to do when that happens Do you want me to walk away? Do you need to walk away? Should I know that that's possible, that you're going to walk away and we'll get back together in a few minutes or an hour or whatever? You really want to know what she needs. And I think that's probably my main point is finding out what is going to work for her. So yes, definitely keep on working on yourself. Do everything you possibly can to show her that you're working on yourself so that when the issue comes up she can say at least you're working on yourself and I respect that and I appreciate that and also knowing what she needs from you aside from changing the behavior which you're working on what else can you do to show her that you are willing to do whatever it takes because if this is really something out of your control and it just pops up and you don't know how to stop it then you're going to need some type of system. You just can't have this as a surprise every time, either a safe room where you go or you go outside or maybe you have a burst of anger and she's allowed to leave, whatever it is, but prepare each other for this and talk about it. As long as you keep the communication open and continue to allow this to be a subject of conversation and don't get upset about talking about it because it exists, it has to be talked about. As long as it's not swept under the rug and you keep the communication open, you might be able to work through it. But again, I'm probably not the best person to ask on this, but that's where I go with behavior that is probably out of your control. And until it's in your control, you do need some agreement and you do need people that understand you. And uh, maybe she can talk to your mom. (laughs) Maybe she needs to talk to your mom and ask your mom, how do you do it? And why do you do it? And is it worth it? 
You know, that might be three questions. The third one might be the hardest question because maybe she doesn't feel like you think she feels about your dad, or maybe she does. Maybe she's completely in love. But I think it's important to have all of this on the table so that you discuss it in a very open manner, and maybe you'll get somewhere with it. That's my advice, if you want to call it that. I hope it's helpful. I know it's a tough situation for you, but I also know that there are resources out there for you and that uh, you're not the only one going through this. So definitely reach out to others or find groups or podcasts or videos that work with this because you want to continue working on this because you know if you don't work on this, if you don't find some sort of system or maybe find a way to control it, that it will probably interrupt really good relationships. And I don't want that to happen to you. Thank you so much for writing, and I I wish you the best, and I wish you much strength and healing through this. I appreciate you, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. We'll be right back with my thank yous and goodbyes and my closing words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you that you have an entire month to check out their entire library over at The Great Courses Plus. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. Get your free month today. And every week I like to thank the patrons that support this show financially and they also get back in the patron program. You can get all kinds of workbooks and worksheets and like 100 private episodes in there, some videos. There's a bunch of stuff I don't talk about on this show that I do talk about over there. So if you're interested in that, you can head over to moretob.com. And I want to mention the following people. I want to thank these people for being monthly supporters. Christy, Henry, Andrea, Leela, Callie, Monica, Larita. Uh, Kelly, you're new. Thank you for joining. Very grateful for your support. I hope you're getting a lot out of the patron program. Agnes, you're new too. Wow, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate your support. Anna, Adriana, Juliana, Lucy, Linda, Chelsea, and Maude. And I just want to stop in every name and say, great to see you too, and great to see you too. But the list is long sometimes, so I can't always do that. But just know that my heart is in every single mention of every single name here. I appreciate all of you. And I do want to mention two people who have donated. Anthony donated. Thank you, Anthony. He said, thank you for your podcast. They have helped me immensely in becoming a better person. This isn't much, but I'm donating what I can. Uh, He donated more than most people, so (laughs) you're not required to donate any amount. So, Anthony, you donated a lot. Thank you so much for your generosity. I appreciate you. Thank you for your donation. And Madeline, or Madeleine, I might be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, It's either Madeline or Madeleine. I apologize. It probably is Madeleine from what I'm looking at. Again, a generous donation. Wow. Thank you so much, Madeleine. I am grateful. I hope I am pronouncing your name right, and I appreciate your support. Thanks to all the patrons, and thanks to those who have donated. And I want to thank somebody else. Now, she has been working on the new look for the Overwhelmed Brain. It is a new graphic, uh, or many graphics, for my branding, and she has been a determined person to make sure that I do not look like an amateur. (laughs) I think my graphics have been amateurish because when she saw them, she said, I just want that graphic to change. I have to make sure that you change what you have because I want your graphic to reflect the quality of the show. And she has done a stellar job. I want to thank my brilliant graphic designer for giving the overwhelmed brain its new look. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name, but she knows who I'm talking about. Uh, If you look at your podcast player, you'll see a new thumbnail. You'll see a new website banner, you'll see a new um, Facebook group header, you'll see all kinds of new branding for the overwhelmed brain. It's still got the beach scene, but we got a new font, we got like a little waterfall look with the font, and I love it. And again, I am so grateful for that design and how this person has pushed and pushed for me to update the graphics to something that represents the quality of this show. And I, I like to think that this show is high quality. I hope you do too. 
So thank you to the person who created this graphics. And I tell you what, I told her I wanted to tell my audience if they're looking for an honest, brilliant designer who will make sure that your brand or any visuals that you need worked on look stellar and professional, let me know. Send an email to Paul at The Overwhelmed Brain, and I will get you in touch and maybe she can create something for you. So I'm kind of the middleman right now. If you're looking for graphics, let me know. And I love what we ended up with. I am so glad that she insisted on higher standards for my show because somebody needed to do that. <laughs> and she made it happen. Very grateful. And I did mention this earlier, the Love and Abuse podcast. If you are dealing with an emotionally abusive, controlling, or manipulative, or just plain old difficult person in your life, check out Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. Whether it's a romantic relationship, platonic, or family, if you leave many of your conversations feeling bad, find out if you're being emotionally abused. Check it out over at loveandabuse.com. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And you know, the sponsor of today's show, The Great Courses Plus, reminded me of how much we can change by learning something new. Because I remember being so stressed about things I didn't know how to do. I mean, this is when I used to work in corporate or I used to work any nine to five job, really. I had one job where I worked on telephone systems. This is when I was in my early thirties and working on a telephone system, I got used to it. I got to understand how they worked and different systems out there, but there were systems that I would come up upon that I'd never seen before and they wanted me to fix it. I didn't know how to program it. I didn't know what I was working with or how it worked. I mean, there's some basics that work all the same, but I remember being out on some site somewhere where their phone system was completely down and I was totally stressed, totally stressed because I did not fix it. Yet they saw me drive up and they were just so thankful that someone was here to fix their system. And here I was not having a clue how to do it. So it's times like that that are really stressful that make me realize I need to learn this stuff. I need to figure this stuff out. I need to work on this stuff. And that's what I did. I would learn a lot of it on the job because, you know, I couldn't do it by myself. So I had to call out and have somebody help me figure it out. But I would learn that stuff and then I would commit it. I would write it down in my notebook. This kind of on the job training or trial by fire, as some people might call it, uh, can be useful. But the reason I brought that up is because, like in relationships, for example, when I talk about emotionally abusive relationships over at my other podcast, Love and Abuse, I like to give people labels for what's happening. And we're told not to label people because if we label people, then suddenly we're putting them in a box. And if they're in a box, then our mind closes. I get that, but I've realized there are times when labeling can be a huge benefit. For example, the label of hoovering. It's an emotional abuse term called hoovering. Hoovering, it's named after the vacuum hoover, where you are coerced into being sucked back into a toxic relationship. They want to suck you back in like a vacuum. And how they do that is they're very coercive. They're very manipulative with their language. They might love bomb you or gift bomb you, which means showering you with love and gifts and compliments. And they do that after the breakup because they want what they want. They want you back in the relationship, regardless of how hurt you were while in the relationship. So when people hear a term like this for the first time, they go, whoa, there's a name for that. And it's good to know that name because when it happens, the components of what make up hoovering, they suddenly make sense. And when they make sense, it's no longer a mystery. It's something that you've learned. It's something substantial that you can say, oh, I know what's happening. This is hoovering. The same thing with breadcrumbing and the same thing with the silent treatment and the same thing with narcissistic abuse. There are components of each of these labels that when you learn a new term, whether it's emotional abuse or any other subject matter that you're involved in or interested in, when you learn a label or a term and you learn the components of what makes up that term, then when you are exposed to it, you can say to yourself, oh, this is what's happening. Now I understand. Now I get it. 
Now I don't have to be stressed about it as much. I mean, if it's emotional abuse, you might still be stressed. But now that I understand hoovering and I get that text after we break up, I can tell myself this is hoovering. I don't have to fall for it anymore. I don't have to think it's him or her being nice. I don't have to think that they're really crying. I have to know that this is part of a game or a process that they're doing that they probably won't call hoovering, but once you know it as hoovering, you are more knowledgeable and you are smarter and hopefully you'll make the right decisions from that point on. But my point is, once you know something and you add that tool to your toolkit, life gets a little bit less stressful. That's why I like endorsing teaching products, is that life gets less stressful the more you know. It's like uh, taxes. I don't know too much about taxes except that I have to pay them uh, four times a year. <laughs> now I know I have to pay four times a year. That may not be your story, but when you own a business, you have to pay your taxes ahead of time. Not everyone does, but that's what I do. But I didn't know that until I learned that you had to do that. And now I'm not surprised at the end of the year with some massive tax bill that I didn't understand about before because I had to learn about it. I mean, I know you know this is basic. I know you know that all you have to do is learn something new and and your life becomes less stressful because now you know it and you don't have to think about what you don't know and try to learn what you don't know. I know you get that. But I'm telling you this because there are times in our lives that something happens to us. For example, ADHD. Imagine if there was no label to that. And this guy that was dealing with it didn't know what he had. And his girlfriend didn't know what was going on. Uh, But once you've labeled it, once you learn the components that make up ADHD, then you understand what's going on. It gives you a platform. It gives you something to land on. And when you have something to land on, then you can talk about it. Oh, I have ADHD. Or, oh, how about I'm depressed? That's what's going on. Oh, I have general anxiety disorder. Not that any of these are pleasant, but they're helpful to know. And sometimes we hold on to this stuff throughout our lives. Like, I held on to the idea that I was critical and judgmental. And I didn't really think it was a problem. I just thought, that some people are more critical than others and some people don't like when other people don't meet their standards. So I just did these things throughout my life and ruined my relationships and never knew there was a name for what I was doing. But as soon as I found out what that name was, I didn't like who I was being. I didn't like being emotionally abusive. And I think it's helpful to understand that when we do things that aren't received well or they're hurting people or somebody's doing something to us that hurts us, maybe it's a component of something larger. Maybe something else is going on. Just like my girlfriend. She didn't know her ex-husband was a sociopath, and yet he is. And now that she knows, she attributes behavior to that label so she doesn't feel so personally affected by it. And we can give a lot of people a lot of breaks once we find the label. Not that we have to accept their toxic behavior and have to allow them into our lives, but it is nice to have a label, even though we are told maybe labels aren't the greatest thing. Maybe they're not helpful, but I think they can be. If you are dealing with anyone that does specific behavior and you don't know why they're so hurtful, you don't know why they can be this way, it can help to label it as something. Oh, you have antisocial personality disorder. No wonder you don't like authority. That makes sense to me now doesn't make me like you anymore but it makes sense to me and I can work with that and that frees me from taking things so personally now that I know that you have this thing this isn't excusing behavior I'm just helping you get to a point where life can be a little less stressful by understanding that some behaviors are part of a bigger picture or a label and that can be helpful to you so that you don't blame yourself talking about emotional abuse, a lot of emotional abuse victims blame themselves for not showing up in a certain way, for not doing the right thing, for not doing enough, and they keep blaming themselves, not realizing that there may be some sort of condition or number of components that make up something that labels a behavior or a condition of someone so that they can stop taking it personally. I don't want you to take anything personally, but it happens and it's hard because We want the people that claim to love us to really love us and support us, but it doesn't always happen. 
So we have to be aware of that, and we have to be cognizant that there might be something else at play. And again, it's not because I want you to come up with an excuse for their behavior. I just want you to make sure that you are not taking it so personally that you are basing your value, your worth, your self-esteem, your lovability, your importance, and anything that makes you who you are. I don't want you to diminish that in yourself because you're too important to lose that. And don't let anyone ever take those things away from you. Thanks again for tuning in. So glad you're here. Just remember to always keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This is what helps you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.